Um, the message that I have today is something, I think, a little different in somehow, some way. Uh, as I prayed about uh, what I thought God might want me to bring, I started in one direction and kind of went into a different direction. And he does that, so that's okay. But the title of my sermon today is, What's in a Name? You know, in Romeo and Juliet, Shakespeare writes, uh, What's in a name? That which we call a rose by any other name would still smell as sweet. So how important is a name? You know, parents will agonize for months and months over what to name their child. They want it to be just, you know, the right sound, the, the first name and the middle name and the last name. They want to make sure it kind of all goes together well. And there's a lot of thought that goes into that. Um, today, I think uniqueness is part of, uh, is in vogue as far as what we name our children. Um, my oldest daughter is 28. Her name is Janessa. It's kind of an unusual name. I actually found her name in a book that I was reading, and it was a very minor character, and I really liked the name a lot. But I had James, and then James has a son named Jason, and then there was Janessa, and I really hadn't planned on going with this J theme. And James said, don't worry about it. We like the name. Let's go with it. And I said, great. And then Jackie came along. So we've got James, Jason, Janessa, Jackie. And then last but not least, there's Abigail. <clears throat> and, um, and so she and I are kind of the oddballs out. We don't follow that, that um, uh, J alliter alliteration. And then my two older daughters decided to kind of do the same thing as far as at least with having something unique. Janessa's daughter's name is Alira Berlin. Alira sounds like it should be um, an allergy medicine, kind of like Allegra. Took me a while to get used to that. And then Jackie's daughter, who's about five months old now, uh, her name is Tinley Sawyer. And, you know, that could go either way. Uh, but they're really cute, and I'm just real thankful that they didn't name them Apple, like uh, Gwyneth Paltrow did. So uh, as I was doing a study on, not a study, but looking about names, I had read an article recently that in some countries, certain names are actually banned. Uh, I'm not so sure about here in the United States, but I know, uh, from what I can tell, some European countries, even Japan, New Zealand, and Australia, they have some names that are banned. Some of them you can kind of understand. Um, Lucifer is a banned name. Jezebel, Judas. For a long time, Benedict was not a name that was very popular, and I'm sure if you know anything about history, you'll understand why that is. Adolf. I figure that one out, I'm not sure. I actually worked with a guy named Adolf when I worked out in the plant at BASF, and I just thought, you know, he was old enough for his parents to know better, I'm just going to say. But they named him Adolf anyway. And then the latest one that I read about was Nutella. Now, how many here have, you know, liked Nutella? Yeah, okay, it's good stuff. And somebody in France wanted to name their daughter Nutella because they thought it's sweet and it's good and it brings, you know, warm, fuzzy feelings when you eat it. But France uh, said, no, you can't do that. So, you know, our names are part of our identity and who we are. Well, when I was young, very little, my family called me Sissy. That was the name I went by. Um, that's the only name I knew. Then, when I started kindergarten, I found out that I had a very traumatic experience, and I found out that Sissy was not my name. My name was Elizabeth Ann. That was a real shock to me. They don't sound anything 
alike. And the story goes that, you know, I was such a cute little baby, and Elizabeth was such a big name, and so they just called me Sissy. And I'm sure you've been in families where, you know, they call the kids Bubba like they're brothers, you know, go get Bubba's this or whatever, and, and brothers will call the other one, well, Bubba, come here. And it's just, it's just kind of a nickname. It's not really their name name. But I found out that Sissy was not my real name, and I had this <clears throat> mental adjustment to deal with. Then, then my mother really threw a wrench in it, and she said, but you don't have to go by um, Elizabeth or Anne. You can go by Beth or Betty, Anne, Annie, Liz, any, you know, any of those derivatives of Elizabeth or any of those derivatives of your name. So, you know, what's a five-year-old to do with that? That's a big decision. So I chose the name Betty. Do not ask me why I chose the name Betty, but I did. And so I've been stuck with it ever since. However, when, uh, you know, names are part of our identity, and, you know, if I was at the mall and somebody was to call and say, hey, Elizabeth, I probably wouldn't even respond to that because that's not the name I identify with. I identify with the name Betty. And somewhere between junior high and high school, I changed the spelling from B-E-T-T-Y to B-E-T-T-I. Ask me why? Because I could. It's not my name. I can do with it whatever I want. And I remember going to a conference, and they were doing name tags, and I told them, I said, my name is Betty, and I spell it with an I. And they put B-I-T-T-Y. And I said, no, it's not Bitty. It's Betty, you know. So uh, they promptly tore that one up and gave me one with the correct, correct spelling. And so ever since, I've been spelling it with an I. And if people spell it with a Y, I don't generally correct them because, you know, it's not really my name, so to speak. Um, my father has an interesting name. He went by the name Jay, J-A-Y. He was uh, born at a time, his father was military, uh, career military, and had fought in World War I and was still over in Europe at the time that my father was born. And my father is not the firstborn son. He's either the second or third. But my grandmother didn't know what to name him, so she just named him after his father. So my father's real name is Abraham Lincoln Bullard, Jr. Again, another kind of weird name. And Dad never went by any of those names. He went by Junior. And then at some point, that got shortened to June. And then when my mother met him, she didn't like the name June, and she changed it to Jay. So most of his adult life, he went by the name Jay. And on the checks and, you know, professionally, he was, he was his initials, A.L. Bullard, you know, and Jay was in parentheses. His obituary, I think, even has A.L.J. Bullard. And, uh, and I don't blame him for wanting to go by his initials because it's just kind of an odd name. Uh, so I was pretty adamant about what I was going to call my children was going on the birth certificate. Nicknames were not going to be an option per se. And when I worked at BASF, there was a lady who worked there who was so excited she was going to have a girl, and she, was, she couldn't wait to name her Christine so she could call her Christy. I'm like, why don't you just name her Christy and just put that on the birth certificate? So it's because I have this, you know, identity crisis when it comes to names and nicknames. So, um, so you know... Jackie is Jackie. She's not Jacqueline. Now, Abby, there is a, you know, an exception to the rule there. Abby is really short for Abigail, so that's okay. But as, a, as an adult, I, uh, I grew to really like the name Elizabeth a lot, and I especially really liked the meaning of the name. Um, there, there are kind of two meanings, uh, oath of God and consecrated to God. 
And the first one that I really had heard about was consecrated to God, and I really, really like that because I, I became a Christian when I was in the eighth grade. And it just meant something to me. I wanted, I wanted to be consecrated to God. And I really grew to like the name Elizabeth a lot. And a few years ago, I actually thought about changing my name to Elizabeth um, or going by the name Elizabeth. And it would have to be across the board. I mean, James would have to call me Elizabeth. My sister would have to, you know, everybody who knew me, it would have to be this, this change. And it would be a paradigm shift in the way you think of me. It would be Elizabeth. It would no longer be Betty. And my sister does a great job when I'm in Oklahoma and I'm visiting her. She calls me Sissy, and my brother-in-law calls me Sissy. But, some, but they switch back and forth between Sissy and Betty. And she does great when we're with friends that she's introduced me to as Betty. But, and that, like I said, at home, she'll call me Sissy. Sometimes she'll call me Betty at home. But, you know, she does really good. She's good that way. And I didn't really want to add that burden to put another name, not just to her, but to anybody else. I realized that that would take, uh, it would be pretty difficult, even though that is my name. It's not the name that I'm known by, nor am I identified by. So I thought it would be a, pretty, a fairly daunting task. And uh, in the beginning of our church days, we had a lady that used to go to our church, and her name was Margie. And growing up, she didn't, she had a, a difficult childhood. And at some point, she decided she didn't really want that name to be a part of her life anymore, and she legally changed her name to Amy. And the first time I was aware of this, we were on a women's retreat in Galveston, and she was there. Not only had she changed her name to Amy, she had dyed her hair from blonde to brown. So she really looked completely like a different person to me. And the reason she dyed her hair was, I think, originally she was a brunette. But blonde really suited her for her, the coloring of her skin and whatnot. So it was just a real change. This was almost like a whole new identity. She didn't look the same, and she didn't have the same name. And even though eventually she went back to blonde, it, it took six months for it to really gel in my mind that her name was, was Amy. It was no longer Margie. And she was very gracious, you know, if you, uh, if you messed up on, on her name and, and that type of thing. So a name is something, again, that is inherent kind of in who we are and what we believe, and some people may like their name, some people may not like their name. Well, in the Bible, we're going to see where names really have meaning. Uh, Adam means man. That's exactly what Adam means. And then we see that Eve, I didn't know this until I started studying this, she means living. I thought it meant something else. I don't know what I thought it meant. I just didn't know it meant living. Then we have Abram, and his name meant high father, and his wife Sarai, her name meant princess. Then we're going to see something unusual take place. God himself renames both Abram and Sarai, and he changes Abram's name to Abraham, which means father of many, and he changes Sarai's name to be Sarah. Now, Sarah's name means princess, and it meant the same in, in both names. But I want to read you uh, in the scripture what God said about it when he changed her name. It, this is in Genesis 17:15. God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. So I think that the, the new name for her was just to stress that she was going to become the mother of nations and kings. 
as he changed Abraham's name, he also changed, uh, or changed Abram's name to Abraham. He changed Sarai's name to Sarah. Then we have um, another couple of people in the scripture, uh, Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau were twins who were born to Abraham's son, Isaac. They were Abraham's grandsons. And, uh, and his wife, Rebekah. And in the scripture in Genesis, it says, The Lord said to her, to Rebekah, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other. The older will serve the younger. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. And after this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. So we see that Esau means hairy, and then Jacob's name means deceiver. And we will find out that both were aptly named because Esau pretty much remained very hairy all the days of his life. And Jacob was a deceiver for most of his life. But the name that we carry sometimes doesn't always, we don't always maintain that. And uh, he did deceive his father and stole his brother's birthright. He, his father was old, and it was time, he knew his time was near to pass away. And in ancient times, the father um, would give a blessing to the oldest son. And, and the oldest son, by birthright, um, received most of the inheritance, most of the land, most of the cattle, most of the possessions. And so um, because his father was blind, Jacob actually had some animal skins that were put on him, and he went in there, and his, brother felt, uh, his father felt him and said, well, you smell like him, you sound like him, I guess, you know, you must be him. And he gave him the blessing. And, and shortly after that, his brother showed up, who by ancient times and tradition deserved that birthright and was very, very angry, as you can only imagine. And so because of that, Jacob decided it would be in his best interest to not stay there, and he fled. And he went to a, a, a relative that lived far, far away so that he could be safe. And um, he stayed there for many years, many, many years. But on his way there, he had an encounter with God. God talked to him in a dream. And God told him that he would prosper, that his descendants would be as the dust of the earth. And when he woke up, he was really quite shaken by that. He knew that he'd had a special encounter with God. And on that, in that very place where he slept, he built an altar there, and he worshiped God. So many, many years later, after he's married, he's, he's married two wives, and he's, I mean, he's got all kinds of cattle, and he's got all kinds of servants, and God truly did bless, bless him and prosper him. He feels that it's time to go home and see his brother Esau. And he's not really sure how Esau is going to receive him. He's very anxious about it. And the scripture tells us that. And so, um, again, God in his graciousness has an encounter with him, but it's a little bit different this time. Everybody has gone on ahead, and Jacob is by himself. And this stranger uh, comes to him uh, at night, and they wrestle all night long. And Jacob begins to realize that this isn't any ordinary man, but rather it's an angel from the Lord. And Jacob actually prevails in this struggle. 
And he refuses to let this angel go until the angel blesses him. So the angel not only blesses him, but he changes his name. And he changes his name from Jacob to Israel, which means struggles with God. And I don't know about you, but probably each one of us in here, at least our middle name could be Israel, because at one time or another, we struggle with God. And he had struggled with God physically as well as internally, I think, in his, in his relationships and in his deceit and the things that he had done. So, uh, so I thought it was interesting that here we see God kind of intervening again and changing the name of Jacob to Israel. The next encounter we see with God is during the time of um, Exodus, and Moses encounters God with the burning bush. And God tells him that he's going to send him back to Egypt to set the people free and to release them from the rule and reign of Pharaoh. They've been in slavery and they've been in bondage for 400 years. And God has has chosen Moses to go back to the land that he fled and to set the people free and that God was going to be with him. And in ancient times, as I've already said, one's name usually encapsulates somebody's character. And so Moses asks God, so what name am I to tell these people? You know, when they ask me, what is the name of this God that has sent you to us? Um, God has a response for him. And God says, I am who I am. And in Hebrew, that means Yahweh. Um, at some point, there's a, there's a whole back, back story to, to the name Yahweh, but the... Uh, at, Originally, I believe the, um, the vowels were removed, and so it's just the W-H, uh, Y-H-W-H, but we now pronounce it Yahweh. You know, it's a name of God that's used more than any other name in Scripture. It's used over 6,500 times. And so, you know, to me, when I, when I read that, it's kind of like, that's just kind of weird. Tell the people I am who I am. It kind of reminds me of Popeye. I am who I am, you know. And, but there's a real deeper meaning to that, and I'm not probably going to be able to explain it as well as I would like to, but I think it's important for you to know that it comes from the verb to be. And I don't really want to go into grammar here, but it carries with it the unique ability to refer to being past, present, and future tense. And Jesus was even called in, in the book of Hebrews that he was the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that is who God is. God is ever present. He is ever before us. He is ever after us. He is never changing. God is. And that's who um, God told Moses to tell the people who he was, that he'd heard their cries and that he was going to deliver them, and that they will see and experience the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that's who the, that's who the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was. He was the God of who was, who is, and who will be. There are other names of God in Scripture. There's El Shaddai, which means the Lord God Almighty. Adonai, which means Lord or Master. Jehovah Ra, the Lord my shepherd. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord heals. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide, and Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. And there are many others, but those are just a few of the names of God. And so as we see these names of God, we see the character of God encapsulated in his name. He is almighty. He is our master. He is our shepherd. 
He is our healer. When we pray for God to come and heal, we are calling upon the name of God, of Jehovah Rapha, to come and heal and to bring your healing presence. He is our provider, and he is our peace. When we ask for the peace of God, we are asking for shalom peace to come and settle over our hearts and minds. You know, Jesus also had several names. Um, actually, the name Jesus is Greek for the name Joshua. Joshua means the Lord saves. And in Isaiah, uh, they called him Emmanuel, and also in Matthew, he was called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And that's not a name we hear a lot during the year, but at Christmas there is a song that says, O come, O come, Emmanuel. And that's the time I hear that, song, that name of Jesus more than anything, and it means God with us. And when you think about um, the other gods that are out there with the little g, those gods did not live among their men and among their people. They were in a place far away, and they were inaccessible, and they ruled the earth, and the people worshiped them, and they, you know, as false idols. But our God cares about us, and our God comes, and he lives with us, and he lives within us. We don't have any children's ministry today. <laughs> Sorry. No, I'm just glad I caught that. So, so Emmanuel, means, Emmanuel means God is with us. Another one is Messiah, which is anointed one. And, of course, there's Savior, which means rescuer, deliverer, and he is our redeemer. He releases us from captivity. So these are different names of Jesus. Then let's move on to the Holy Spirit. One of, I think, my most favorite um, terms for the Holy Spirit is comforter. And when we pray for people who are in distress, we always usually pray, God, please send your comfort to them. And that's what the, that's what the Holy Spirit is there for. It's to bring comfort. He's also the spirit of truth. He is the breath of God. There's a song that we sing that says, Oh, mighty breath of God, you know, breathe on us. We want the Holy Spirit to be here. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of wisdom and understanding. He is the spirit of counsel and power. He is the spirit of knowledge. So those are, as I've covered the Trinity, and each of them have their own unique names and, if you will, their own unique characteristics, but yet they are all one. So the question is, what is in a name? A name can be descriptive. It can reveal character. And it can influence how others view you if you have kind of an unusual name or, you know, like the guy that I worked with in the plant and his name was Adolf. It just took a while to kind of get over that, that hump that that's what his name was. It, 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 eventually he just became the guy that I worked with out in the plant. So the question is, what is your name? And I don't mean what is your given name, like my name is whatever, Sissy, Elizabeth, Betty, whatever you want to call me. But what do you call yourself, you know, um, when you're alone, when you're in the throes of despair? How do you think about yourself? What are the names that you call yourself? Maybe there were some names that you were called as a child that kind of stuck with you. You know, we, we have that little saying, and as adults we know it's really not true, that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But, you know, things like loser 
and bit, you know, you're bitter, you're angry, you're just a screw-up, you're never going to amount to anything. Maybe you think of yourself as, you know, I'm just an impatient person. Um, man, I'm such a failure. Why can't I get it right? I feel so defeated. I'm a bad parent. I will say that right there has stuck with me probably more than anything else. And it's not because I, I don't believe I was a bad parent, but I will tell you, parenting is the hardest job on the face of the earth. And anybody who's been a parent would agree with that. And you try to do what's best and you try to do what's right and you second-guess second yourself almost at every turn. Am I being too strict? Am I not strict enough? Should I do this? Should I do this? You know, and, and you're second-guessing yourself. And I have struggled with that voice that's been always on my shoulder that wants to whisper in my ear, even now, even now as my kids are grown, well, maybe you should have done this differently. Well, I can't go back and change the past. But God has a way of redeeming the past, and that's what I count on. I count on him. I don't count on anything I did or didn't do. And so it's not only the names that others have called us, but it's the names that we call ourselves. Our self-talk can be very destructive to who we are. Uh, it's the lies of the enemy that whisper in our ear and tell us that we're never going to amount to anything, that we're never going to change, that we're never going to be transformed, that we're going to be stuck in the patterns of self-destruction all the days of our lives. And so the question today is, what names are you identifying with? Are you identifying with these names that the, that the enemy has tried to pin on you? It's kind of like pin the tail on the donkey. And you've got all these different names. You know, Romans 8, 1 has really become my life verse. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I live by that verse. I call upon that verse whenever I hear the enemy try to drag me down. Whenever I have lost my temper, whatever the situation is. When I, when I am tempted to just downplay myself and throw myself under the bus, I go to this verse. And if I've ever counseled anybody or prayed for anybody that's struggling with what they perceive as failure, I always pray this verse over them. God does not condemn you. We are in Christ Jesus. And that is a promise. That is a, uh, that is a status of who we are. We are not condemned. So what names does God call you? Well, God calls you beloved. I am my beloved and he is mine. God calls us sons and daughters. God calls us sheep. And that may not seem like much of a compliment, but when we come to the realization that he is our shepherd and that we are sheep and we can be a little dumb, and go off on our own, and he has to come and rescue us from time to time. But it's okay, because he is our shepherd, and he, that's what he expects of sheep. So being a sheep is not necessarily a bad thing. We are disciples. We are forgiven. We are redeemed. We are brothers. We are sisters. We are family. We are God's family. He calls us his friend. He calls us righteous before him. Names have meaning. And it's really important what names that you dwell on about who you are. Do not let the enemy come and kill and destroy you by the names that he calls you. 
That's a lie. We want to let God to come in and change your name and your identity and who you are in him. And so today's message is not a profound message, but yet it is. Because many of us struggle day in and day out because it's the nature of being human. It's the nature of living in an imperfect world. It's the nature of when somebody cuts you off on the road and, you know, or you're impatient because you've got to get someplace and the people are going really slow. They're going 30, 35, come on, step it up. Whatever it is, whatever it is that we're struggling with, God has the wonderful ability to come in and call us by a different name and by that change our character and who we are in him. And so really, that's what I want us to focus on today. That's what I want you to think about today is what false names have you been calling yourself? And today is the day that we let go of those and we release those to God and we no longer let the enemy dictate what our name is, but we let God tell us what our name is.